Oh, lightning round questions. That sounds interesting. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for Olympics fans. I'm your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I am filled with hot dogs and sparklers. Excellente. Did you see? Oh my gosh. Speaking of sparklers, and I called it, Hudson's Bay Canada, they're the uh, official retailer or outfitter for the Olympic, uh, the Canadian Olympic team. Yes. So instead of having the olympic promotions that they were going to have they are celebrating summer with their own version of the olympics and basically it's to sell the olympic clothing line but they're having canada day games because it's july 1st for canada day and so canadians are encouraged to wear their team canada collection gear and participate in eight fun lighthearted but still competitive outdoor events speed sunscreening the burger flip Pears ice cream eating, uh, sprinkler jump, freestyle strutting, pool noodle javelin, synchronized celebrating, and I called it for you, artistic sparkler dancing. I am all over that. Now, if what would make this even better is if I could be eating Canada mints while artistic sparkler dancing. Mm. Have you ever had those? I don't think so. They're big and they're pink and they will rot your teeth. They are the best. <laughs> so for Canada Day, everybody go out and get yourself some Canada mints and then you could be a proper artistic synchronized sparkler dancer. There you go. From the expert herself. In honor of Canada Day and Independence Day in the United States, we are having a lightning round episode where we play lightning rounds from some of our Shukflastanis. And today we're starting off with our archery official, Hannah Brown. As you remember, Hannah is going to be the head official at the Tokyo 2020 archery competition. And we, uh, I'm so excited to meet her. <laughs> and she's my cousin. There you go. There you go. So take a listen to Hannah's lightning round. Lightning round. Let's move on to our little lightning round of questions. And these oh, are... Yuck. Well, there, there. We ask the, the same questions of everybody. They're not, not super lightning. You'll, you'll find out. Um, <laughs> we, but, we, te we tend to get distracted. <laughs> ah, is this where I start getting worried about these questions? No, 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 no. So, what is your first memory of the Olympics as a kid? As a kid, um, mm -hmm. like remember, you remember watching them on TV or seeing them? Watching it on them? the TV, yeah. Watching it on the TV. Do you remember which one? Probably 1980, I would imagine. Would have been the first one I would have seen. Cause Moscow? Been about wait, Mo wait, Moscow or Lake Placid? Oh, I don't know. I was five. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, because for us, <laughs> we didn't, you know, Moscow doesn't exist for us. Yeah. Because of the um, boycott. Probably. So that's always the yeah. hole in, in our memories. Yeah, so I'd have probably seen some of that. And then 84, I'd have been a bit older, so I'd have watched a bit there. And then, yeah, I, I just got hooked on the Olympics um, and watched as much of it as I can. What's the best place you've officiated? 
or where is the best place you've officiated? The most remote has got to be in Lakwabish in Canada. That was really remote. Tokyo is going to be amazing because it's the first time I've been to Asia. But Las Vegas is fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for, for the Canadian yeah. one, how did you get there? And how long did that take? Um, we flew to Edmonton and then drove for three hours. So, yeah, it was three hours from Edmonton um, by sort of pickup. Um, so, yeah, it was quite remote, but it was it was an immense, it was an amazing event. But, um, yeah, very, very remote. Probably a beautiful drive, too. Oh, it was awesome. It was it was really, really beautiful. And and the road, the, the one thing that struck me coming from, from over here in our little island was the, the length of this road, and, and it was just straight. And it, it was straight as far as the eye could see to the horizon and over the horizon, and it was still straight. And I'm like, I've never seen a road that long and that straight in my life. And we just drove it. And there was about three corners, I think, between Edmonton and Lacklebish. It was there was just about it was the landscape, the roads. It was just a, a completely different world. When you go on a, uh, in a on a trip like this, how long are you usually gone? Um, it's usually about ten days. The Olympics is a bit longer, uh, but a normal international world championships is about ten days. Okay. What are you particular about when it comes to officiating? And I'm thinking like shoes or socks or whistles or stopwatches. Do you have particulars that you really like to have? I like my whistle. What kind uh, of whistle? Um, it's a great big orange emergency sort of mountainside whistle with a Mickey Mouse strap. <laughs> and that's, that's my whistle and it lives in my pocket. Don't check that. Definitely carry on. (laughs) What Olympic sport would you do or coach other than archery? Ice hockey. Why? Ice hockey. Oh, it's brutal. It's so much fun to watch and and it just looks absolutely brutal. And I played field hockey for a long while um, and that's a cracking sport, but I just love watching the ice hockey. I don't know it's Winter Olympics, not Summer Olympics. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still still Olympics. doesn't matter if you'd be good at it. doesn't matter if you're physically capable (laughs) of it. I I can barely stand up on the ice, but um, (laughs) yeah, no ice hockey. (laughs) Finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? What that I've got or that I want to get? Oh, oh, well, both. Um, Well, I've got the mascots. I've got to say, so far, my... um, my favourite one is my 2012 mascots um, because London was like London was London. Um, it's the Olympics in your hometown, and it doesn't get better than that. And then the one you want to get? Um, the mascots from Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get the mascots from Tokyo. We are big mascot fans as well, so I, yeah. I'm totally with you. Yep. Then they can play together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They can sit on the back of the sofa together. Though, though I have to say, Mandeville and Wenlock freak me out a little bit. Oh, they're lovely. You can't, they can't freak you out. They do. They've got the, the, the big eye thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, always watching. Always watching. You don't find that creepy? No, I just ignore them. They, they've been there now for, for like eight years. So they, they, I just ignore them now. See, that's the coffin you had uh, coming out. It's like, that's oh, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're just there. 
Excellent. Well, Hannah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Hannah. I do love her. Although I want to give her a Fox 40 whistle. I mean, she's got her orange one that's probably very colorful and good, but, you know, you cannot beat a Fox 40. She needs a Shuklastani whistle. She does. Make a little, Make you know, we yeah. need a Shuklastan logo. And I can, if I get little ones, I can, you can put them on the sides of the, of Fox 40. I just want to sit and have a cup of tea with her. I mean, she's my cousin. No, there you go. <laughs> Not really my cousin, but if you're named Brown and you're that awesome, you are my cousin. There you go. Next up, we have travel expert Ken Hanscom, who talked to us with one year to go about uh, Tokyo 2020. Take a listen. Lightning round. I always love doing these. This is our lightning round. Which Olympic Games would you like to have attended? Doesn't matter if you are alive or not. LA, uh, Los Angeles 84. Is that because it's home? It's that, and I think it's the turning point for the modern Olympics in terms of now what we've seen grow over the past 20 years and how uh, the Olympics have really grown with sponsorships. It, it, it just, it, in me, it's, 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 it's a turning point kind of in, in modern Olympic history. Okay, and what Olympic sport would you compete? Swimming. And what, Go ahead. I said that's because I, sw- I swam through high school. So I've, okay, I've you got to pick a different one then, one that you haven't, but you wish you could have. I'll pick a new one, rock climbing. Ooh. Ah, okay. Uh, what's your first childhood memory of the Olympics? Mary Lou Retton, 1984. Did you have a crush on her? Uh, I didn't, but my sister was in gymnastics, and just I remember my family sitting around the TV and just kind of watching it happen, and just 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 a moment, just a moment that you know sticks sticks it in my head. And what's your favorite Olympic souvenir that you've picked up? Oh, I got the. Uh, the curling pillow at Pyeongchang 2018. That's my favorite. We're big curling fans, so we approve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ken. And we'll be catching up with Ken again. Soon, I hope sense, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. get a sense of what's changed in the travel circumstances because of the postponement. Exactly. So hopefully we will have an update for you soon. And finally, we have our 1976 Olympic loser, Maura Grogan. Take a listen to her lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, so now we will do our lightning round of questions. What is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid? Peggy Fleming winning in Grenoble, and that she is what made me want to be an Olympian. And of course, at the time, I wanted to be a figure skating Olympian, which is how I got involved in the figure skating. Have you ever met her? No, I haven't. I missed her by a few seconds at the last reunion. She oh, she came to the dinner, and I went try to find her, but she'd already left. Uh, where do you keep your Olympic diploma? Or not diploma, is... the participation uh, awards yeah, that you have. it's a diploma. That's what it's called. Um, it is on the wall in my family room. It's the only Olympic thing I have on display. Oh, interesting. What is your favorite training exercise from any of the sports that you've done? Um, the savasana and yoga. <laughs> That's where you lie down. And I'm with you. That's my favorite too. <laughs> That's part of my couch training. (laughs) (laughs) 
right. What if you could do any Olympic sport, what sport would you do or coach other than luge or figure skating or ice hockey? Since you've played. Oh, I, I know you. I know it would be hockey. But you, you gotta it go would be hockey. OK, outside that downhill skiing. You just can't get away from ice and snow. You would not pick a no, summer. No, I let, yeah. I do not. Um, it was funny. This is another aside. So Jim, uh, what was his name from ABC Sports? Oh, uh, McKay. Jim McKay. Uh, Jim McKay interviewed everybody in Lake Placid um, before we left for Innsbruck. And, you know, he interviewed everybody. Just I'm guessing in case, like, one of us died or something because it wasn't like we were going to win a medal. And he, I was so nervous, and he asked what my favorite sports were, and I said skiing, skating, and swimming. And afterwards, I said to my mom, why did I say swimming? I hate swimming. I think it was because of the alliteration. But, um, <laughs> yes, I only like frozen ice. Oh, man. What was it like to suddenly have to deal with the the press and – that that kind of elements. I that, mean, Jim McKay in '76 was that's huge, the big deal. Yeah. Um, other, he, I was nervous for him, but otherwise, it was a blast. As I mentioned, I wanted to be a sports journalist, so I soaked it up and um, I tried to, you know, be available. I was one of the poster children for uh, Bob. Paul at the USOC, who was head of communications at the time, I was very willing to be interviewed. Ironically, then I was super shy and not anymore, but I liked the interview process and I was cute and young. And so I think people like to interview me. So I had a quite a bit of experience. That was my first major experience with a lot of media exposure. And I found it to be a lot of fun. And finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? Probably my uh, identity, my identification badge, which is part of what I uh, just donated to the USOPC archives, just because here is Maura J. Haponsky, USA, a real Olympian, and nobody could take that away from me. Have you thought about using the O-L-Y after your name? I have. I don't quite get that whole thing yet, and so um, I haven't. I haven't embraced it. So if you donated your things to the archive, you probably spoke with our friend Terry Hedgepath. Yes, I, and that's how I heard about you for the first time. I <laughs> her she is a favorite of ours. She's awesome. I. She was so impressive during this whole process very straightforward she and i communicated numerous times and just i found the whole experience of donating my memorabilia to be exceptionally positive i'm so proud that it'll be taken care of and available i had stuff not only from innsbruck but from lake placid and then random other Olympics that I've attended or, you know, Olympic memorabilia that I've picked up over the years. So, and they took virtually all of it. So I was really happy that it's there in a good place. And I feel that she's going to really honor me by taking good care of it. I can't wait to go see it. <laughs> I can't wait to see my sled. It's going to be so much fun to see it there in the museum. We got to tour the museum when we were there at the reunion in November, 
and uh, it was still under construction. So I know approximately where it's going to go, and I had no idea at the time that my sled might be on display. So, because um, I didn't do the donation until just about a month ago, and Terry emailed me and said, "The museum wants your sled, so get it here as soon as you can." So how did how did you get it? Did you like send it by FedEx? I mean, how does one transport I went- this? I, that was an interesting experience. So we couldn't find a box. I went to UPS, couldn't find a box big enough. So they sent me to a U-Haul store that had bigger boxes. They didn't have a box big enough. So I went to a local pack and mail who special, specially built the box and worked with UPS to get it shipped off. And it, it got there safely and just fine. So, but that was kind of fun trying to figure out how to get ship a 50-pound loose sled that is sort of cumbersome. Were you hauling the sled around like, here, I want to mail this? <laughs> yes, it was in the back <laughs> of my, my vehicle. Uh, but I was used to hauling the sled. Another anecdote, I know we're running out of time, but when we were training at Mount Van Hovenberg the first couple of years, the only way to get from the bottom of the, the run to the top of the run was to walk. And so... 14, 15 years old, I am carrying a 50-pound sled on my back, walking up a half mile, getting on the run, sliding down, walking back up. So you can imagine the kind of shape I was in. I could, you know, I could lift the sled now, but there's no way I could walk anywhere very far with it. And um, it was, it was quite a process. I That's cross-training. That is, that is cross-training. Um, I have one random question that I thought thought about. While you were in Innsbruck, or even beforehand, did you get any sense or people talking to you about the fact that the those Olympics were not in Denver? Say that again? So the 1976 Olympics were supposed to be in Denver, and the oh. citizens of Denver said, no, we don't want them. So at the okay. last minute kind of last minute uh Innsbruck stepped in and said okay we can host again which is why they were Innsbruck was kind of close to being a back-to-back host but hmm. uh you that must not have been I probably knew that. that at the time but mm-hmm. um I'd forgotten that and I was excited that I got to go to a European venue rather than something local I would have been slightly disappointed if I'd probably if it had been in Denver because it didn't seem as exotic. I know. It's like the whole perspective. It's like Innsbruck is exotic. <laughs> well, it is when you're yeah, 14 or 15. So, you know what? It, I have never been there, so it would still be pretty exotic to me. So I shouldn't say that. <laughs> did, it feel, did, did it feel exotic to you when you were there? It did. Just so many it new did. experiences. Um, yeah, and you know we got to be there the year before and stay in a little guest house in Eagles, Austria. I had my first taste of German beer, which was amazing, and you know everything. I I'm trying to remember. If I I lived in Germany when I was a tiny baby, but I think that was my first trip to Europe as a um, a cognizant human being, and so I thought the whole. The whole thing was pretty exotic and, and lovely. Well, the German beer would have helped with that 25 pounds you lost. <laughs> it, 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 it made up for it after the fact, yes. <laughs> I had pl- drank plenty of beer in college to uh, put the weight back on. 
did you did you get your gold certificate for figure skating? I did. Okay. I did. And, um, so, <laughs> like somehow yeah. that's good. That matters. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it does. Yeah. Well, you know, I never got my shark badge from swimming at the YMCA. <laughs> so it sticks with me <laughs> yeah. 40 and, some years later. You know, and it's hard to do. It's 10 yes. years of training and competing and all of that. So, yes, I did get it and uh, taught figure skating briefly afterwards, which, you know, that's sort of you need to have that in order to be considered a qualified teacher I think but I, I was also done with figure skating and um, then started with the hockey and so excellent. moved on excellent well Maura thank you so much thank you so much Maura so with Hannah we said sometimes we get distracted and it was like that set up Maura's lightning round because <laughs> we went off on so many <laughs> side roads with her but the best being how do you ship a loose across the country <laughs> and it kind of fits with poor derek from our last episode with how do you schlep curling stones all over a country you know and when we've talked to biathletes and and previously with shiva keshavan i feel like i'm mentioning him all the time lately and just shipping all this equipment right luca jones remember when she told right, us about shipping canoes you never think about that. I mean, we've talked about shipping horses. It's such a complex thing, just getting your equipment. It makes you want to be a figure skater. Right. Where you can put something in a carry-on and make sure it stays with you. Or a exactly. swimmer, all in the suit and a cap exactly. and some goggles. Exactly. Even less. Though I'm wondering if some of the beading on the costumes now would be considered dangerous weapons. Oh, good question. If you get one of those bugle beads, man, that could do some damage. Oh, those scratchy, scratchy. <laughs> well, I think on, on that note, <laughs> let's wrap it up for this episode and go outside and practice some sparkler dancing. <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap it up for this week's episode. Let us know how you're spending Canada Day or Independence Day or whatever holiday you want to be celebrating this week. Email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Call our voicemail hotline at 208-FLAME-IT. We're Flame Alive Pod on Twitter and Insta and keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.